This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And we'll pick up there in Hebrews 10 in just a few minutes. One hundred and sixty years ago today, on July 2nd, 1863, one of the greatest wartime sacrifices in history was offered. On that day, the 1st Minnesota Volunteer Infantry Regiment was ordered to plug a hole in the Union line on Cemetery Ridge, south of the town of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Two brigades of Confederate infantry were advancing rapidly from the west threatening to cut the Union line in half. And there was no one to stop them. No one, that is, except for the 262 men of the 1st Minnesota. The advancing Confederates numbered approximately 1,600 soldiers, outnumbering the Minnesota men more than six to one. And yet, despite these odds, General Winfield Scott Hancock, who recognized the danger ordered the 1st Minnesota to move forward and attack the southern units to buy time for Union reinforcements to arrive on the field. And so the men of the 1st Minnesota bravely charged and halted the Confederate advance. But this success came at a terrible price of the 262 men who attacked the rebel lines 215 lay dead or wounded on the field, a casualty rate of 82%. By the way, this was not the first time that the men of the 1st Minnesota had been called upon to sacrifice for their nation. At the Battle of 1st Bull Run in July 1861, the regiment had lost 190 men, 20% of their total strength at that time. A year later, the 1st Minnesota sustained losses again at Malvern Hill. And then, a few months after that, the same regiment lost 28% of their number at the Battle of Antietam. And all this before making their greatest sacrifice on July 2nd, 1863 at Gettysburg. Two days from now, patriotic Americans will celebrate the 4th of July holiday. And on that day, we will pause to remember the many, many Americans who have continually made sacrifices to secure the freedoms that we enjoy today. Whether during the Civil War, or World War I, or World War II, or Korea, Vietnam, the Gulf War, the more recent wars against terror, and in many smaller engagements throughout our nation's history. Patriotic Americans appreciate so much these sacrifices. And for us Christians on the 4th, we remember first and foremost how God has richly blessed our nation 
and preserved it in large part through the continual sacrifice of our military heroes. But along with our profound gratitude, we also feel frustrated as we contemplate these continual sacrifices because it might almost seem that these Americans have died in vain. Why do I say that? Well, throughout our history, our military members have repeatedly made sacrifices to ensure the peace and prosperity of our country. And yet, that peace, that prosperity, has been elusive and imperfect. And in recent decades, and especially in the last three years, it appears that our nation is self-destructing and intentionally throwing away the blessings that have been attained by the grace of God and through the continual sacrifice of so many Americans. President Calvin Coolidge, recognizing the heroism of the first Minnesota at a commemoration event in the 1920s, said this, referring to the contribution of that regiment at Gettysburg. He said, those eight companies of the first Minnesota are entitled to rank as the saviors of their country. Now, I would say that uh, in one sense, President Coolidge's assessment was correct. The men of the first Minnesota did help save their country, our country. But sadly, America is in need of saving again today, just as it has continued, just as it has needed saving more than once in decades past. And so this morning, I'd like to frame the message by asking you to consider the theme of continuing sacrifices that in the ultimate sense do not quite accomplish the purpose for which they are offered. Now, that may sound like a slightly depressing topic, but I think it must be that way, for these imperfect sacrifices point us to the only sacrifice that can bring complete peace and full redemption. We're in Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. Hebrews chapter 10. In this passage, we'll see again our background theme of continuing sacrifices that are unable to bring complete peace and full redemption. In a moment, I'll read verses 1 through 4, but before I do that, let me quickly define two words that we'll encounter in verse 1. The third word in verse 1, the word law, refers to the Mosaic law of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, which required, among other things, that Israelites offer various sacrifices in order to be rightly related to God. And then the third to last word in verse 1 is comers, and it simply refers to the Jewish worshipers themselves, those who would come to the tabernacle or temple with their sacrifices. Okay, let's read verses, let me read verses 1 through 4. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshipers, once purged, should have had no more conscience or consciousness of sins. 
But in those sacrifices, sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Let me ask you this morning, what if you had been an Israelite living in Old Testament times? What if you had to continually offer animal sacrifices as a covering for your sin? Or what if you'd been a priest serving in a tabernacle or temple, and daily you had to deal with the blood and stench of animal sacrifices? By the way, Israelites under the Old Covenant offered several types of sacrifices on a continuing basis. There were the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, the sin offerings, the trespass offerings, and the various types of peace offerings. Further, the God-appointed feasts that Israel was to celebrate also required sacrifices. And then, additionally, there were the burnt offerings that were sacrificed daily in the tabernacle. A lamb was offered every morning and another lamb every evening. Finally, there was the annual Day of Atonement when the high priest sacrificed a male goat for the sins of the people while releasing a second one into the wilderness depicting sin's removal. Now we understand that God had mandated this whole system both to provide a temporary covering for sins and to foreshadow the perfect and final sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And by the way, that's what the first half of verse 1 is talking about when it refers to the law as a shadow of good things to come. The good things to come is a reference to Christ's ultimate sacrifice toward which the Old Testament sacrifices pointed. And so, this whole Old Testament regimen of animal sacrifices was ordained by God. And yet, at the same time, it was designed by God to be a wearisome process, even a frustrating process. Would you not have grown weary of the whole thing if you had been an Israelite living back then? Might not the whole regimen have seemed a bit futile since the sacrifices never ceased? And wouldn't you have longed for a final once and for all sacrifice that would bring complete cleansing and perfect peace to your heart? I think we would have. And I think that was God's intent behind the whole system. Old Testament Israelites understood that their sacrifices did not bring complete cleansing. In fact, their sacrifices in one sense had the opposite effect. For in those sacrifices, verse 3 tells us, there was a remembrance made of sins every year. In other words, far from removing their guilt forever, Jewish worshipers were continually reminded by these sacrifices that the final payment for their sins had not yet been offered. Consequently, as verse 2 states, Israelites had a continual conscience or consciousness of sins because of the repetitive pattern of their sacrifices. And so, as verse 1 tells us, those sacrifices which were offered year by year continually could not make the comers, the worshipers, perfect. In other words, the sacrifices could not make them whole. 
They could not bring the final redemption and peace that comes only through a complete and permanent cleansing. Why is that? Well, verse 4 tells us plainly, the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. So what's the solution? What's the remedy for this frustrating problem? Here we have a sacrificial system that's ordained by God, and so it's honorable and valuable and meaningful, and godly Israelites are continually offering sacrifices, and yet there's no permanent cleansing from sin or purging from sin, to borrow the term used in verse 2. So what can be done? What's the solution? Well, we see the solution in our great Savior in verses 5 through 7. Let me read those verses for us. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Here, through the human author of this epistle, the Messiah is speaking to God the Father, and he presents himself as the perfect and only solution to our sin problem. More specifically, the Messiah quotes Psalm 40, acknowledging first the inability of animal sacrifices to appease God's wrath against sin, and then second, Christ presents himself, his physical body, as the final sacrifice, indeed the only sacrifice that can permanently remove our sins. And in doing this freely of his own will, Christ is, in turn, fulfilling the will of the Father, which is to save sinners. And by that will, verse 10 says, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Amen. Now let me quickly say something about the second half of verse 9, which I, I didn't read for sake of time, but it refers to Christ taking away the first that he may establish the second. In other words, by offering his own body, Christ was taking away the need for continual animal sacrifices. And thus he was taking away the first covenant, the old covenant, which was just a shadow of better things to come, according to verse 1. And he was replacing it with a better new covenant, which provides complete cleansing from sin. And by the way, the word sanctified in verse 10 refers to this complete cleansing, a cleansing that's available only through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice also at the end of verse 10 that this is a once-for-all sacrifice. No further sacrifices are needed. The mission has been completed. The objective accomplished. The wrath of God has been appeased once for all. You know, I think we have a hard time grasping the significance and the power of Christ's sacrifice. At least, at least I do. How is it that the sacrifice of one man could purge forever 
the sins of mankind, could forever appease the wrath of a holy God who hates sin. How is that, how is that even possible? The power of that sacrifice is beyond our comprehension. And so I think that the songwriter got it right when he wrote the lyrics to the hymn, There's Power in the Blood. Of course, the songwriter got that concept from scripture. And if we had more time this morning, we could cite many, many Bible passages that reference the power of Christ and the power of his blood sacrifice. You know, us, us guys in the room, and, and you ladies as well, we appreciate so much the sacrifices of our American fighting men. We respect those men, their strength and courage. The men of the first Minnesota, the men who landed on Omaha Beach in Normandy in June 1944, the Marines who climbed Mount Suribachi in February 1945, the Americans who fought bravely in the cold of Korea, the jungles of Vietnam, and in the deserts of Iraq and Afghanistan. We really appreciate those men, and we should. But let's make sure that we appreciate so much more the heroism and power of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Lord Jesus Christ, who alone was powerful enough, is powerful enough, to completely purge our sins through his once and for all sacrifice. This power, by the way, and the absolute exceptionalism of our Savior, his great worth and majesty and greatness and ability is highlighted in the final portion of our text for the morning, verses 11 through 14. Let me read these verses for us. Picking up in verse 11, and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, and that's a reference to Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And I, I just love those verses. There's, uh, there's power in those verses. And there's a wonderful contrast drawn here. The Old Testament priests, verse 11 tells us, had to stand continually on their feet and offer sacrifices daily. Remember, there were no chairs in the tabernacle. And that was intentional because the work of the priests was never complete because the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. Now contrast that with the picture of our Savior who, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. And Jesus Christ could sit down because his sacrifice was powerful enough, pure enough to purge forever the sins of mankind. By the way, verse 11 reminds me of a parallel verse 
uh, which appears earlier in this epistle in Hebrews chapter 1, where verse 3 states in part that Jesus Christ by himself purged our sins and then sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. I love that verse because it highlights the awesome power of our Lord along with his perfect righteousness. You know, sometimes when we think about our Savior, we think of him simply as loving and merciful, and he certainly is those things. But he's also powerful, fully able to purge our sins completely, which he did on the cross at Calvary. And so we praise God for the truth of verse 14, that by one offering, Christ hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And so the key question this morning is this. Have you, have you been sanctified by the blood of Christ? Have you been perfected forever by his once-for-all sacrifice? Or are you still frustrated, empty, continually attempting to appease God on your own through church attendance, good works, and repeated acts of piety? Are you trying to merit salvation by offering your own repeat sacrifices? If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross, dying in your place to pay the penalty for your sins, you can receive him as your savior today. If you're still carrying the weight of your sins, you can have them forgiven today. Your guilt, your shame can be purged forever because of the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus. No further sacrifices are needed. No other sacrifices can save. Salvation is through Christ alone. Earlier, I mentioned the sacrifice of the 1st Minnesota Volunteer Infantry Regiment, the Battle of Gettysburg, 160 years ago today. In their brave and successful attempt to plug a hole in the Union battle line by charging elements of two Confederate brigades, they lost 82% of their number. But did you know, can you believe that the 1st Minnesota, that regiment that had made sacrifices repeatedly, continuously in the first couple years of the Civil War at Bull Run, at Malvern Hill, at Antietam, and then at Gettysburg on July 2nd, 1863, can you believe that that same regiment was called upon to make yet another sacrifice the very next day on July 3rd. You see, on that day, July 3rd, 1863, at the climax of the Battle of Gettysburg, Pickett's charge occurred, and the remnants of the 1st Minnesota, bolstered by the addition of three companies that had been detached on July 2nd, were again positioned in the center of the Union line precisely where the Confederate attack was aimed. 
in the fight that occurred that day, the first Minnesota lost another 55 men, another sacrifice. When would they end? When would family members in Minnesota and across America get to stop grieving the death of their sons, husbands, and brothers? And while the first Minnesota did help the Union Army win the Battle of Gettysburg, a perfect peace and a perfect victory were not achieved as the Civil War dragged on for another two years with hundreds of thousands more Americans dying before it ended. And the sacrifices did not stop there in 1865 as Americans have continued to give their lives in numerous conflicts since that time. And yet, despite these sacrifices, our nation, which was founded on Christian principles back in 1776, is in serious jeopardy today. Continuing sacrifices that cannot bring complete peace, prosperity, and redemption. That's a uh, that's a frustrating concept. It was frustrating for Jewish worshipers in the Old Testament, and it's frustrating for Christian Americans today, especially as we consider the sacrifices made by our military men through the years, which we understand could never bring real spiritual salvation to our nation. And so that brings me back to my main objective for the morning which is not to be political or to complain about what liberals or any other group are doing to our country, nor am I seeking to demean in any way the sacrifices of so many brave Americans through the years. Absolutely not. And I'm not saying their sacrifices have been pointless or useless. American military sacrifices have secured for us a temporal peace and a great if imperfect, prosperity. In the same way that the sacrifices in the Old Testament secured a temporary covering for sins and divine blessing when offered in faith by old covenant worshipers. So these sacrifices that we've spoken of today were not useless. No, they were honorable and necessary and they served a God-intended purpose. And yet, in neither case, not with America, America and not with Israel, could these continual sacrifices bring complete peace and total redemption. And so my purpose this morning has been solely to magnify, by way of contrast, the once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which alone is able to cleanse and save and bring complete peace and eternal blessing. Only with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is there no frustration, no sense of futility, no sense of incompletion. And so in closing, I'll ask the critical question one more time. Have you been redeemed and sanctified by the blood of Christ? Have your sins been purged by his once-for-all sacrifice? Or does your guilt remain? 
If you're an unbeliever, you need to turn to Christ and accept the perfect sacrifice that he made on your behalf. And if you need help with that or if you have questions about that, uh, please come speak with me or one of the other pastors or another believer that you know uh, after the service. We would, we would absolutely love to speak with you. For the many believers, Christians in the room, for those of you who already know the Lord, this week on the 4th of July, pray for America. Pray for revival. And be thankful for the sacrifices made by our military heroes. But at the same time, more than anything else, be thankful for the once and for all perfect sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, which completely and forever secured your eternal freedom and blessing. Let's close in prayer. Father, I know that everyone in this room is so thankful for America, for the country that you've given to us, for our history and our Christian heritage. And so, Lord, our hearts are grieved over the sin and uh, the utter foolishness, which is also sin, that threatens to ruin our land. And so we pray for our country. We pray for revival. We pray that America would once again turn and follow you. Help us, Lord. Help us as Christians. Help us as believers, your children, Lord, to stand as lights for you. And now, Lord, as we prepare for your table, help us to be so thankful for the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which has secured forever our eternal peace and salvation. Lord, the status of America may be in jeopardy, but the status of believers today is absolutely secure because of the blood of Jesus, because of his once-for-all sacrifice on our behalf. And so we thank you, Lord, for your great love, for your great mercy, and for your great power to save. Help us for the rest of our lives to show our gratitude by living wholly for you. And we ask this in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.